You're listening to Brody and Eric's Super Sports Radio Show. Good evening, folks. It is currently Monday, October 19th here in Tucson, Arizona. Welcome to Brody and Eric's Super Sports Radio Show here on all our wonderful podcasting platforms. I am your host, Brody Dryden, here alongside my partner in crime, Eric Wong. Good evening, Wildcats. And even though we are not back in the station, it is still good to say those words. Brody, I've missed it. I, I missed it too, Eric. Uh, I, for those of you who don't know, Camp Student Radio has been uh, virtually closed uh, since the start of the semester here at the University of Arizona. There are 12 shows up and running right now, with uh, the vast majority of those being music shows. Um, and uh, there's just very limited and basic, basically just no access to the studio right now at Camp Student Radio. So uh, for those live shows that are still on, go over and check them out. They're running from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on camp.arizona.edu, or if you're near campus, it's at 15.70 a.m. Uh, but for right now, uh, Eric and I, we're, we're going to be doing Brody and Eric's Super Sports Radio Show podcast uh, for only no live shows hopefully in the next couple weeks or so we'll be uh live in some type of live yeah, some, some capacity yeah some capacity youtube live periscope something uh yeah. something of those those sorts so uh, uh an online website that starts with a p and <laughs> has an h in it and rhymes with corn dub i have no idea what you're talking about i don't know about, either Eric. but i heard it's, a, it's an up-and-coming platform but <laughs> folks i would be remiss if i didn't take a moment to uh, let y'all know what's going on here. Uh, for those of you who don't know and don't <laughs> follow with the camp Instagram, Brody Dryden uh, this year has taken on the immense responsibility of being the general manager of Camp Student Radio. And folks, while 12 shows isn't ideal, under, without Brody's um, tireless leadership and sack, commend you, sir, for doing such a fantastic job uh, and still getting camp on the air in some fashion. All right, thank you. I definitely don't deserve that, Eric, but thank you very much. It has been... Oh, you deserve more. <laughs> I will give it to you. All right, after the show, after <laughs> yeah, the show. Sure. Well, I guess we're not on camera. I, yeah, we we can true, do a mid-show. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, anyways, yeah, it's a pleasure to be... Thank you, Eric. The, that means a lot. Um, and it's still going to be a successful year. I'm looking... I'm definitely... Let's just say I'm looking forward to the start of next semester and hopefully we'll be uh, doing a lot better uh, in terms of the whole uh, pandemic pandemic thing eric you had you had corona yes can, I did. can we talk about it sure how was it um i respect the seriousness and nature of the disease for mm-hmm. people who are elderly and have uh respiratory problems and um uh you know compromised immune systems okay. in that respect um pneumonia and similar diseases of the type would also be just as threatening Gotcha. Um, so use that comment for what you will. But I can see how, you know, if you had underlying conditions, uh, mm-hmm. you should be concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, nothing to joke around with. Obviously, any illness could take anyone out on any given day. But if you were smart and, uh, you know, isolated um, and, you know, took necessary precautions, I treated it like a normal illness and was fine within the recommended uh, two-week quarantine period. We probably talked about this when you when you first had, but what, when did you know, other than the test, because you got the test, it tested positive, when did you know you, or had a pretty good understanding you knew yeah. you had it? Yeah, and Just so, for those who might be paranoid out there no, and I, thinking they might be getting some yeah. symptoms. And that's what I'm saying. That was the big thing, because my roommate, as you know, he came back from Spain and had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just figured being close to him, using like dishes and plates and cups that he was using, oh, I, I must have gotten it. I will say, you if you get it, you'll know you have it. I'm not so sure about all this, um, what is it, when you 
have it but don't oh um asymptomatic yeah i don't know about all that okay unless you're just could uh, be could be fake news could be i don't know like i thought like you know just being around it and that's the other thing i think the the how contagious it is was also a little bit blown out of proportion i think it's like you know if you're um sharing um saliva as you as the kids yeah. say uh, having spit swapping makeout sessions exactly th- then you're then, m- much more likely than just kind of being exactly. in a vicinity but yeah like going to a restaurant and drinking from the same glass mm-hmm. um and, you know once it's been cleaned through a dishwasher with high heated steam i think you're in the clear all right gotcha so right. Uh, just to put some people at ease yeah well thank you for that that insight because we, we do have herd immunity on uh on brody and eric's super Seriously. sports radio show uh now luckily so um, we'll get into some sports topics here where you can touch on some Arizona football, Arizona basketball, as well as uh, the NBA. We always start uh, with University of Arizona um, news and sports, uh, so we'll keep to tradition here. Arizona football, The big, uh, speaking of um, people testing positive for COVID, Kevin Sumlin is now over his uh, spell of COVID-19. Luckily, he uh, made it through that, and he, he's been back at practice um, and, and whatnot. No one, it, it is a little bit strange because I feel like there's outbreaks with like coaching staffs and, and sports and and players, but here at Arizona, it was just Kevin Sumlin, <laughs> yeah, and like no one else. It was like Kevin, what what are you doing? You know, I, I don't know. Well, maybe maybe you know, alcohol just weakens your immune system to COVID nineteen. <laughs> you know what? That that's certainly a possibility. Um, but anyways, uh, so good for him. Arizona football is coming back here at the beginning of November. Yay, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So good. Okay. Yeah. It's Folks, gonna... <laughs> when Arizona football comes back, I'm going to let you finish, Brody. But when yeah. Arizona football comes back, that's like when you know you have a 20% assignment paper due and you just know you, you're not going to do it. Like you just know <laughs> you're not going to do well. You just know you're not going to you know yeah. find the right resources, go to – EBSCO and like go through the scholarly peer review <laughs> to put together a good essay. That's like like we know the U of A football season is coming up and it's yeah. due, and we just know we're not gonna do well. Yeah, you you have a pretty bold prediction here on how okay. the season's gonna. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh and seven. Oh and seven. Oh, well, only seven games well, being played. TV, right. What about the TV? I think that's included on this, included? in the okay. seven. Because, uh, Arizona plays all six uh, games against Pac-12 South opponents and then one against a Pac-12 North. Yeah. Um, or maybe, I don't know how, but I, it's a, it's a seven-game schedule. I'm yeah. pretty confident. I'm either not, either way, you're not giving them a win anywhere. No, either way, yeah. I mean, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, that TBD game could be against Pima, the Pima Community College Aztecs. And I think it was still... They don't even have a football team anymore. Oh, well, you know they would find a way to lose. It's, <laughs> it's kind of sad. Pima Community College has, like... Well, I guess they, they cut football to save every other sport. Yeah. Uh, but it's also, like, is that... Okay, or so the ACU, like, Firebirds or whatever they're okay, called. They sure, would, yeah, they <laughs> Firebirds. Dude, this might be the year that NAU had a shot to take I know, that, that's the thing. That NAU is probably very mad that they're not getting that game against Arizona because I'm pretty sure this would have been uh, their year to do it. The one big... Uh, thing though with Arizona football and why you know they weren't really favored uh, you, there's some anticipation certainly some anticipation ar- around Grant Gannell um, the now sophomore uh, quarterback for Arizona he's going to be st- not competing with Khalil Tate for the job he's going to be uh, you, you know out there expected to be out there for every game uh, as Arizona starting quarterback he had a great freshman season he had stints of um, 
you know, looking like the best player on the field, but if he wasn't competing with Khalil Tate, who is a Heisman caliber uh, quarterback, then he might have had a better chance. But this year is the the year of Gannell. Um, they're going to be facing off Utah. USC and Washington to start out the season um, and those are definitely not wins in any book. I, I don't want to see the spread on those yeah. games because they're probably bigger numbers uh, than I've ever seen in my life but uh, I do see a potential win against UCLA. Uh, that's the fourth game of the season. I think Arizona has a chance against UCLA. The, the thing is Eric 0 and 7, 0 and 8. Let me 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Yeah, including the TBD game at seven games. 0 and 7 is a likely outcome. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, Eric, but I do see uh, just a couple uh, potential ones. Colorado is the worst team in the Pac 12, but they could still beat Arizona. Yeah. That's the thing. I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado, you know, they lose Mel Tucker. Uh, they don't have basically any returners. Um, I mean, I hope I'm wrong, Brody. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. I'm normally not this pessimistic, and it feels weird. I normally try to give the Cavs more of a fighting shot, like a puncher's chance, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I just – who – I'm just coming from a background where, like, teams – worst teams can disguise some weaknesses if they like who they're playing for and if they believe in the system that's being run mm -hmm. and if, you know, they're, they're bought in. I don't see that with U of A. I don't think – I don't mean to call in Kevin Sumlin's character, but I don't think they like him very much. I don't think he has that drive and passion for coaching that he did at A&M. I think they don't trust Grant Cannell, and I don't think any of them are particularly bought into the system. Yeah, Those three combined, I think, isn't coming up to make a – a very poor cocktail of 0-7. You, you see, I, I think you are correct in some ways, Eric, and I think Kevin Sumlin has – it would be fair to say, and I think he knows it, he hasn't embraced or been embraced much since his arrival. Obviously, I think on uh, – for face value, it was a great hire at yeah, the at the time. Agree. Like oh, Kevin Sumlin, he upgrade from Rich Rod, who yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. who was a former Michigan coach. Now we get a former uh, Texas A and M coach. Uh, Arizona has Khalil Tate, a Heisman caliber quarterback. You know, kind of what could go wrong, or at least everything. Yeah, yeah everything. Yeah, and you know, Arizona football in the past 20 years, I think has been in a lot worse positions uh, than they are right now. But I, the, the one thing I, I like to give coaches in any sport, um, whether I'm a fan of the team or not, at least uh, more than a couple chances. Because sure, sure. I, I, I feel like with, especially with college football, it takes a while. Khalil T wasn't recruited by Kevin Sumlin. No, that's true. And, that's true. Uh, they, they tried to run a completely different offense than what Rich Rod did with uh, Khalil T that made him that Heisman Keller yeah, quarterback. Yeah. The thing that I'll give a little bit of hope for this year is Grant Gannell was recruited by That's true and Noel, he was a high prospect high prospect uh, recruited by Noel Mazzoni and Kevin Sumlin he fits the system he wants to be there for, yeah. for this uh, this coaching staff which Khalil Tate wasn't and it, he made that obvious yeah he almost and, tried to transfer yeah exactly and it, it, he made it obvious it looked bad on the field but now with Grant Gannell the, the one other thing that's really pushing against uh, Sumlin and I think will save his job because it's a good excuse is the COVID. way that 
COVID and oh. the, the way the Pac-12 um, mishandled everything. Yeah. Because the Pac-12 fumbled. Uh, like oh, the entire absolutely. They're uh, uh, debatably worse than the Big Ten because the Big Ten was the ones to originally yeah. come the out with. Pac-12 looks like the little brother just following everyone around. Exactly. And, and making and following the wrong brother yeah. around, you know. So true, yeah. And, and um, so I think Sumlin could be saved by that because it's a shortened season. Um, players transferred. We Colin Schooler transferred. Brendan yeah. Schooler transferred. Uh, Scotty Young uh, transferred. Basically, every linebacker and good defensive yeah, all player. All seniors who with a, with an outside shot to make the league transferred. I, exactly. So uh, there's a very solid, valid excuse for Kevin Sumlin yeah. right there. Um, but my argument to that is Kevin Sumlin has never been a defensive guy. Yeah. So if the offense is still like they could lose, right? But if the offense is garbage he'll be gone regardless because the defense had its own host of problems and you know i know he's the head coach but at a certain point you know the head coach always favors a side and so he's an offensive guy so i think if grant cannell comes out there and is throwing ducks and the offense is terrible and not suited for him then i think he loses his job yeah but i i agree If, if it's all like if the cats are putting up you know 35, 40 points a game and still losing, I think he's okay. Yeah, exactly. And that's what Arizona fans, I think, are kind of got used to with Rich Rod yeah. in a way. I mean, I think the defense certainly took a few shifts. There were some, um, it sounded like <laughs> took a few took a few shifts. Yeah. Um, Shits is the word you're looking for, Brody. <laughs> Shits. S-H-I-T-S. Shit. Well, we're not on live radio. We can that's say true, it, Eric. That's true. Um, but Shit. <laughs> and that wasn't even a good point. I, I was saying I was saying bullshit right there. Yeah. Um, but anyways. Uh, Whoa, you, too far, dude. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think we'll settle, settle there if Grant Gannell looks all right, if there's some potential in the offense, if they're scoring, um, even if they lose, I think someone keeps his job. He's like, what are you going to do? It's, yeah. it's the COVID year. Um, they'd probably rather not start a new contract with a, oh, a yeah. shiny new head coach again with the financial burden they've already been taking on. Yeah, and on. they committed to him. But yeah. this was a debate I had when I was over. Shout out to Luther Saxon. I was at his place watching the Alabama-Georgia game. Good game. And we said, dude, I don't think there will be a single Pac-12 team making it in the playoffs. No. No way. Like, even an undefeated 7-0 Pac-12 team, I would take a two-loss SEC team. I would almost I would don't say, say three. I would almost say. Don't say three. I would say a three-loss SEC team over. Like, I, realistically, honestly, three losses in the SEC, if it was to, like, Bama, LSU, and Georgia. Man. Like so, yeah. Let's say that. Let's say because Georgia lost to Bama. Mm-hmm. If Georgia lost to LSU and then had one like you know respectable loss against maybe like I don't know South Carolina, Florida, or something. something. Yeah, isn't Florida in the ACC? No, Flo- Florida State is. Okay, yeah, let's see. Florida is so wack, but that's what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. I would still take Georgia with a three loss, two to you know the number one top teams yeah. and a respectable loss over like a perfect Oregon team. Okay. I the thing is I I I really the, don't want to agree with you yeah. but it's like cuz the Pac-12 is already the shittiest oh, the, the worst yeah. I I'm like unequivocally the worst football league exactly and i think the thing that sucks and i was if we had a radio show during the pandemic i'd be saying it during um everything the pac-12 had a chance to capitalize because this was already trending towards going here before the pandemic i think the pac-12 had 
has kind of been on a, a skid as of late. While I don't know the with. Oregon on top with like Marcus Mariota, Chip Kelly. Yeah, uh, that was great. When USC was still a pretty yeah, respectable, good. Well, Washington was. Solid. Yeah, Washington was solid. I mean, every year the Pac-12 maybe has you know Washington had some hype last year yeah, where they yeah. were highly ranked, but then they fell. Well, they I, made it to that one. They have made it to the college football playoff last year. Not last year, but, but they made it. Yeah, uh, in but like the four it's years. it should be an expectation that a Pac-12 school at yeah, least one gets agree. to the, the Pac-12 playoff. And Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12, has been butt cheeks. Oh, absolutely. Uh, basically from the very start, especially in the handling of the, the COVID-19 stuff. Um, have you and, ever seen the movie – I didn't mean to interrupt, sorry. No, no. Have you seen the movie um, – draft day with kevin costner oh yeah of course as the browns yeah. so you remember when uh he calls on like the jags gm to try to get like it was a minor scene in the movie okay. but basically that it was like a brand new gm and kevin costner's character is like this sort of experienced gm but like whose ability is being called into question okay and then so he calls the brown the jaguars gm and is just and he's a nervous wreck. He's like, uh, 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 uh. that's what I imagine every phone call is like to the Pac-12 commissioner's office. Yeah. He's like, you know, athletic directors are calling, him saying, "So, commission, what are we doing?" You know, uh-huh. like I've got, you know, a hundred guys here just waiting. Um, you know, some of them are coming from low-income families. If we send them away, that's losing their education, their food in some cases. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not going to work out. Uh, multiply that by 12 schools. And I imagine him literally saying, uh, 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 uh. Exactly. That's how I feel like it's been handled. And and the thing is, he, it's not like he, um, the Pac-12 had low expectations when when he was brought on. It's like he, he fumbled it. He, he he inherited a great conference. A good conference. I'd say a a pretty, a a conference that was. Among the power fives were the fourth. It goes Alabama, ACC with Clemson. Alabama, you mean SEC? I, well, I mean, might as well be Alabama. But yeah. SEC, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12. I think we're – or Big 10. Big sorry, 10. Big 10, Pac-12, Big And 12. see, right now, we're uh, – the Pac-12 is not even looking like a power five. No. You know, like uh, the MAC is playing right now. Yeah. The, the MAC technically has to rank higher right now because they're playing football. Yeah. And uh, g- give me some action. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that, um, yeah, Larry Scott needs to be out. I, it's already kind of been reported that, you know, he's, his contract runs up soon. He's not getting – uh, yeah. Another offer. I. It's just. It just sucks because now, it feels like the Pac-12 and Arizona included in that. Unfortunately, is just in such a dire place in yeah. terms of college sports, where the Pac-12 network sucks. Oh yeah. With the the Pac-12 leadership with Larry Scott, there was news. I don't know if you saw. Um, him and other executives took bonuses right before laying off like 80% of the Pac-12 Network's uh, staff and everything. They're mishandling funds during a pandemic. And I know it's like hard for everybody. It's hard for literally everybody in the world right now. But it's like when you have the power to make things a little bit better and not fire people and then you give yourself a bonus, uh, I I just think you you can't come back from that. And and hopefully the Pac-12 find somebody more qualified honestly from another power five conference somebody yeah. from the sec from the acc that might be number two number three there say yeah, like hey we will give you the keys to the pac-12 yeah just like undo what larry scott did make us better you, um and you know what really was a telling sign at least just to your point i think on the pac-12 network 
when Rick Neuheisel <laughs> wants to leave, bro, that man can't coach a peewee team. Yeah. And he even he's like, no, I think I'll give it a shot at, yeah. at coaching again. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the anchor job is supposed to be the dessert. You know, I feel like, you <laughs> yeah. know, you maybe did your job, you maybe got fired, you tried your best. Now you can just sit in an air-conditioned room and talk sports and get paid a pretty handsome salary. Yeah. And even he was like, yeah, I'd rather take my chances. Where is he at now? I forgot where, where he's coaching. I, I, I saw he got hired somewhere. Yeah, but, but that's was, what I'm saying. Was, like, yeah. I don't know. Rick Neuheisel looks like he was the kicker on a team, and he's the head coach of a whatever. No, exactly. And um, the one nice thing about that I saw, um, I, you know, I don't keep tabs on everybody from the Pac-12 network, but uh, Mikey Am, the yeah, uh, yeah. studio host, he now is on NFL Network. Yeah. So he got fired from the Pac-12, or laid off, I should say. I, and fired. he was good. I would he, say he, he was, was good. good. He was very professional. I think he was like one of, and he was there from the start of the Pac-12 yeah. network. I think I remember him as like a younger, yeah, you know, probably no. kind of fresh out, you know, kind of starting out the Pac-12 network. Now he's on the NFL network after being laid off from uh, the Pac-12. So good for Mike Yam. Um, yeah, Arizona football, I see, to, to wrap things up on Arizona football, I see three wins. I see a UCLA win. I see a Colorado win, and I obviously they're, they're not going to give Arizona a good TBD game. That's going to no end way. up being, um, I don't know, Washington State or uh, somebody else that Arizona is going to lose to. But uh, the coin flip game every year, the Territorial Cup, um, Arizona against Arizona State, that's on December 11th. Yeah, that's going um, ASU. It's going to go ASU, probably, but yet again, it's the Territorial Cup. So I, I, I want to believe that it's kind of a coin flip type game. Who knows? Uh, because a- ASU has beat Arizona when Arizona's better, and Arizona's beat ASU when they were better. I mean, that's um, a coin flip game if both sides of the coins are heads. <laughs> Like, I, no, but I, yeah, the the big thing with that too is, is the fans, and there's not going to be fans in, in the Pac-12, any Pac-12 stadium other than uh, other than family. So it'll basically equal out for Arizona Arizona State games, um, and that does make a huge difference. Uh, so you know, um, we'll see. I see a potential three wins. Wouldn't be surprised if you're right with uh, with no wins there. Uh, Eric, Arizona basketball. There's really not much to. Uh... I did see um, a good friend of mine, uh, Cameron Miller. I'll let you guys make the association for yourself, but good guy. Studied abroad in Brazil together. Hmm. Um, you went to Brazil? Yeah, he did go to Brazil, and uh, you know, and he's a manager on the team now. And uh, he was saying, you know, the team's looking pretty good. Okay. You know, obviously, no, no T.J. McConnell, Aaron Gordon, Brandon Ashley type good. But definitely respectable, and I think better than a lot of people are were expecting, you know, especially mm-hmm. basically ha- having a EuroLeague team on. Yeah, no. So um, he was saying the one thing is the language barrier is tough. That's got to be. Of all, of all the recruits, only one of them speaks, like, okay English, and the rest of them, the accents are so thick, it might as well be, like, a Modern Warfare 2 game. And with masks, too, because they have to practice, oh, yeah. they have to practice in masks. I mean, who knows what they uh, actually yeah, are behind I mean, closed doors, but they're supposed to be What practicing. happens in Richard Jefferson Gymnasium stays in Richard Jefferson Gymnasium. That, that's what the saying uh, goes. <laughs> uh, but, I, yeah, I, I think that's got to be super difficult, especially with everything going on. But I am excited because it... 
I don't know. You could start with Luka Doncic in, in the true. NBA this year. Obviously, the, none of these guys have the exact hype of Luka Doncic, but I feel like there's just going to be a start of like, oh, yeah. oh, just a wave of European talent that it's like, what? I mean, he's actually good. You know, he's not going to be Darko Milicic or like. I, that's so. just where I get worried though, because I feel like you can literally look to it in certain pinpoints of like basketball history, mm-hmm. of like when like there is one flash. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Luka Doncic is a is a is not great. I mean, I think he's worth every penny. But, like, you know, um, who's the good guy for the Nets that died tragically? Oh, uh, Drazen Petrovic. Yeah, like, he was really good. You know, people were saying if he lived longer, like, the greatest shooter of all time, and yeah. then that leads to some waves, and then, but, like, you know, it really doesn't pan out. Tony Kukoc, he was supposed to be the hot young thing, gets to the league. Decent. Won, Decent. Some, won some rings. Decent. <laughs> but like, you know, what? he was supposed to be, like, the, the Yeah. Answer. Um, you know, and even it's a new era, though. I mean, the, the, these guys could just be built different. They could be. I, don't on, know. I just don't see. They're it doing still. some European training camps over there. I saw a little uh, like E60 documentary on that, where their former NBA players are like training up some European kids, I and guess. now they're coming through the system. So I, I, I'm not saying that they will be all Luka Doncic, but it's just exciting right now, knowing the fact that it's like there could be like there a, could a be. diamond in there that you know just really does it. And that's know? and that's true. And but my thing and just. Take kind of a business perspective to it. It's like you know, typically the people that get rewarded the most are the are the first, right? Yeah. So you know, Dallas was like you know, kind of the first in this in a, in a while that took a a flyer on a European guard. European bigs, I think you know you you are a little bit more solid, but like a European guard. Yeah. And they get rewarded. Now it's a copycat league, and it funnels down to college. But when everyone's going there, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, the chances of finding that person. Uh, is a little bit tougher, but you know, I again, I echo your sentiment, Brody, and hopefully we'll we'll have someone. But yeah, apparently the U of A basketball team is uh is better than people are, are expecting. So I'm not saying winning the Pac-12 this year, but you know, definitely could you know still make the the, the dance. It, it is a year of unknowns for both Arizona football and basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Some new beginnings with all these new players, new talent. Um, you know, now Nico Mannion, Josh Green, Najee all uh, headed to the NBA, and we'll have a new uh, a, a platoon swap as uh, they they, they, as they'd say in 2K every time you sub everyone out. Um, well, speaking of them, let's talk on this the draft. Oh yeah, I would say it has been so detrimental that the draft has been postponed for so long. Mm-hmm. When I was first looking, like, um, before COVID and stuff, like, you know, kind of towards March Madness when, you know, people start getting serious about it, you know, Nico, late lottery, Josh, mid-rounds, Zeke, early 20s. Mm-hmm. Just as it's been going on, I think teams have, you know, either gone a little lackadaisical, watched so much tape that they're overanalyzed, but... Dude, I've seen some where Nico is the only one that gets drafted, and Whoa. it's, like, late 20s. Whoa. So it's like, I think, you know, well, first of all, it's just so depressing that even if there's a shot at three players being drafted in the first round that you suck, yeah. like we did last year. But I'm saying, like, let's go through this draft right now. Like, I, I again, I haven't looked at it in a minute, but mm-hmm. 
I wouldn't be surprised if we don't really see um, if we don't see all three of them getting drafted in the first round. So we're looking. I I just need. I know the Arizona guys, but I for the other lottery picks, I yeah. don't I don't know much. We have MassLive.com up for their uh, their mock draft that we'll be uh, looking over. So number one, they've got Anthony Edwards Pretty out of Georgia. That makes sense. James Wiseman going to your Golden State Warriors I still at number don't think two. We keep the pick, but if we do, I think he's the the right move. Okay, the one uh, super exciting player, Lamelo Ball. Just, yeah. just with the name and stardom that surrounds him. I mean, going to the Charlotte Hornets, sure. Why not? But why not? Um, that'll be cool. Let's see if they... That Isaac um, Okoro is supposed to be super athletic, super rangy. But that's what the, they were saying. Like, it's really a three-player draft. And then after the three, kind of it falls off quick. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I've ever heard of Isaac Okoro. Yeah. Um, Onyeka Okungwu yeah, from uh, the Big O from USC. That'll be – I'll be rooting for him. Yeah, but, I, like, wouldn't you say, like, he's projected number five in this? He was. He doesn't look like a top Definitely five not player. a top five pick. Maybe he'll he'll max out at what, like, Bismack Biombo yeah. did in the NBA. I don't know. Obi Toppin. It's just he's so old. I think he's like 23. Seriously? Yeah. Because I thought he was originally like a top five pick. He was. He was. And that's the thing. But like then you look at his age and like. Okay. That's what I'm saying. It's a weak draft. Okay. But like um, here, just like keep yeah, scrolling, a like, bunch of no names here. And, Tyrell Terry and you're from telling, Stanford. And you're telling me like Nico Man. Look, see we're we're out of the lottery firmly. Yeah, Josh, Josh Green, Green finally at 18. They've got Josh Green above anybody out of Arizona going to the Dallas Mavericks at number 18. Yeah. Huh. See, I predict I'm going to be rooting for Josh Green till the day his career ends. Um, so you'll be rooting for two years. <laughs> that I feel like he's going to be another Stanley Johnson, yeah. unfortunately. Like a lot of hype. He'll get his playing time. Like people will know who he is because he's in the NBA getting minutes on maybe. But I mean, if he gets to the Dallas Mavericks, that's not a scrubby team. He's going to have to earn his minutes there. Yeah. Um, I think it would be best for Josh Green to go to a place like Detroit. Yeah, or like a crap team. Yeah, maybe Minnesota really develop his game. That's why I think um, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, not that he's a super successful player, but he's been earning contracts because yeah. he started, out, started his career out with the Brooklyn Nets yeah. when they were just the worst team in the NBA, yeah. but he started. He got his minutes. Yeah, he, I'm sure he, he can play a bit. You know, he learned how, how to play the NBA game, and that was perfect for him now to at least be a contributor to get some yeah. – uh, get, get some. But con- just to your point on Stanley Johnson, like he guarded LeBron James in a series and did okay, and like yeah. – his drop off was just so dramatic. Like I was literally like, "What happened?" Yeah, no, it, it's honestly so weird because he's got the ability too. It's just a, a shooter's league, and Stanley Johnson was never no, uh, a great shooter. No, and I would argue he wasn't great at anything. He was just good at a lot of things. Yeah, that's but true. He wasn't and, a great and, driver. He wasn't a great finisher. He wasn't a great defender. He was just good at everything. And, and I think he was a, a really the one thing I will give him. He was a really good finisher in college, but it's just yeah. in, in NBA. Defense, yeah, going up consistently against seven footers who are just as athletic as you exactly that's when it makes the difference yeah um rj so, yeah. hampton's fallen a lot yeah. now he's at number 19 but look so we got josh green at 18 cool anthony, anthony all above and he's fallen too jeez like but look see still nothing uh man Look, like literally. We are scrolling and scrolling on this mock draft. Cash is Winston down to 28. We're done. We're done. We're done with the mock draft. Like, look up another one. Like, I'm telling you, this is not an aberration. Like, okay. I'm gonna have to put my microphone down for a second. Yeah. It's just, it's just really sad, you know. Miko. I'm just gonna look up Miko Man.
that would that would actually be very sad. Um, should we go? Hmm. Twenty twenty draft prospect now. Tankathon.com. No, that's just the name. Like honestly, though, I think just go NBA draft. Like most of them, like because that's the thing. He's not like that. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. But like, yeah, go to the draft and. Because this is the site I use, NBA Draft 2020. But, like, look, he, he won't show up for a minute. Well, this one actually does the second round, which is nice. Yeah. This is like Peyton Pritchard at 45 to Orlando. That would be a... So, yeah. Josh Green again here at 22, though, even lower. Okay, so this one they have Nico oh. at 23. So they got Nico going in the first round. And then Zeke round. at 29. But that's what I'm saying. Like, mm. even if, like, some of them don't have him. So there is a, a, wide, a wide berth, yeah. if you will, on... Nico, but he's that's what I'm saying. Like, he was supposed to be a, like what a top ten pick easily. Yeah. When he came in, and yeah. now he's that's late, weird. Late first round. Because see, I haven't been. I've been keeping up with the NBA, but not really draft stuff. Yeah. I've been loving the bubble. I've been loving the playoff runs. I've, I've been loving all that, but I just haven't been keeping up with the draft stuff. I, do you know anything like why? I think it was just because like well, first Time. of all, like I think I think rightly or wrongly, like just a white point guard. Mm. <laughs> it's tough, low key. Uh, I I know, and everyone's so calling. You're saying him, the NBA is racist. That is exactly yeah. That's what okay. I'm getting at. But I think that's hurting him. Like good athleticism, not elite, not great size, like six three. Like he's just like a prototypical point guard for like the '80s. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like in the '80s, he'd be a great player, could pass well, but not a great finisher. I think we saw like we were expecting him to be the guy, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's the guy. He you isn't. Know? He wasn't the guy. He, no, he, he yeah wasn't even the guy here. So, so I think that's what they're mm-hmm. saying. It's like why would you draft? Like I think that's what I'm saying. Nico kind of showed everything that he had in college, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like, he doesn't leave much. That's why I think Josh is a little bit higher because there's still stuff left to the imagination mm-hmm. for Josh. Now, yeah. I don't think he'll be a better player than Nico, but I think in terms of draft, just because there's a little unknown, that when, yeah, when, teams. Yeah, when people see Josh Green, I think they see maybe a Zach Levine yeah, or, you exactly. know, something like that. And, you but, like, know. Nico, you see, oh, I'm getting a, 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 a probably Bob Cousy. Yeah, like, I'm getting a, a solid, respectable uh-huh backup point guard yeah who could you know maybe develop into a low level starter or you know someone you'd be comfortable like i think he's you know i think he's realistically a little bit better than tj mcconnell wow okay and well i mean tj mcconnell found his place in the league at least that's that's what you gotta that's one thing when you no one saw that one coming no one saw that one coming and that's one thing that i hope nico Mannion and uh, you know any guy that gets drafted it's like accept that role you know if you if you have to it's like would you rather stay in the league and be a tj mcconnell that's scrappy bench player whatever or would you rather not be in the league at all because your head's too big and you're yeah you you know you can't fit on a team too big dick too small oh my lord oh my lord um except for tj mcconnell small head huge wang (laughs) um yeah i want to anybody wants tj mcconnell on their team and this uh this draft has Zeke Naji going to my Toronto Raptors, and I would love that. Um, we got to wrap up here sort of soon. Uh, uh, we, we can go till 45. 45. Okay, sounds good. So, um, 
I wanted to touch on the uh, NBA bubble a little bit because yeah, yeah. The the thing is, I had a ton of fun watching the NBA bubble. I thought it, I thought it was really cool. You know, watching the Phoenix Suns go yeah, eight and zero, cool. and cool. I mean, still not make the playoffs, which but momentum sucks. is huge going into next season. Ginormous, and it, it was cool to see Devin Booker ball out. It was cool just to see basketball again yeah, after uh, the global pandemic broke out, and the, you know they're doing this experimental thing in the bubble at uh, Disney World. I I thought it was awesome, uh, but it's a question right now um whether it was a success i I hope to never see it again but i think it was a success Uh, of course i never want to see it again uh because and you could tell the players were like depressed you know like it because they would talk about it they're like this sucks like being long i mean locked in disney world first world million millionaire problems being locked in disney world for a few months and stuff but it's like you know being confined to such a small space is uh, mentally tolling and whatnot. I, I hope to never see the bubble again. Um, also, uh, obviously, the pandemic isn't the only thing that's been going on with, uh, you know, the killing of George Floyd and yeah. all, all the the social justice issues and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, that took f- forefront there for... Yeah, qu- the platform quite... I really liked that it was able to provide. Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, people are attributing uh, the combination of those two things though to tv ratings being low because they were lower sure sure tv ratings were low and uh, you know now the, the opinion is just the popularity of the sport has gone down yeah um due to these like social justice actions and in a in the combination of the pandemic and, and whatnot they're saying the bubble wasn't as successful it, it wasn't worth what they did yeah. uh to do it so now that's the question for them to answer and the plan isn't to do a bubble again the plan is to play you know like how the nfl is doing it how the mlb was sort of doing it in terms of teams traveling maybe limited fans in states where you know it would be safe to do so um but in it's it's just hard for me in my eyes because I thought the bubble was awesome. I had a great time watching it. It was phenomenal basketball. There were buzzer beaters, great games. Uh, no major players really sat out. That's true. Uh, there were a few that opted to not do it. Yeah, and like got, Avery Bradley yeah, was probably the Avery, most notable. Uh, exactly. Um, so I thought it was super successful, but the ratings and the, the cold hard facts didn't show it. What do you think, Eric? I mean, and that's the thing, right? That's where I commend Adam Silver and the NBA because, you know, we've seen it. Colin Ka- like. Colin Kaepernick took a knee, mm-hmm. and they they ostracized that man. They wiped it under the rug so fast because, like you know, the money was definitely not you know. And I think um, you know what it, it is. It's unfortunate, but um, you know what? If you lose some people who are are stuck thinking in the past now, and you know me, I've I've made comments about it. like, do I love being reminded constantly in sports how poorly the state of our country is? No, I don't. <laughs> like to be honest, like. I don't love the stand-up to cancer things in baseball. I didn't love this, but I can see the value of it, and yeah. it and it wouldn't deter me from watching it. So I think the people that it deters them, they're like, oh, how can they do this? How can they, you know, take a political stand? It's like because they had the, I would say they almost had the duty to do it. Mm-hmm. I really love what LeBron said. It would be more irresponsible for me to not say anything. Exactly. It, and so yeah, one thing I'm a fan. Yeah, and I, one thing I want to I want to touch on is. Um, I think there's just this very broad confusion, um, and I, I guess I should be kind of careful when like stepping into the Black Lives Matter stuff and everything. But there's such a 
I, I think a broad confusion between Black Lives Matter, the movement, and saying that Black Lives Matter, and then there's like the private organization, or I don't yeah. know if it's private, but you know, like no, political, like the yeah. organization Black Lives Matter that has like a board of directors yeah, and, and yeah. stuff like that, and like donate directly to a political campaigns yeah, and stuff because and things like you that, know yeah. people just like don't realize like hey we've gotten like a little like the organization and and the movement are two kind of different things no, where it's like i think it took a, a big step during uh what's been going on in the past few months especially with the killing of george floyd and you know so many of the protests that um erupted around the country and the world frankly um and that uh, you know a lot of people are just realizing like yeah black lives do matter and i'm not afraid to to say that and and go out and protest and take a stand because this is wrong and then there's like the like 65 year old white guys on twitter that yeah. are like they're like no this is a, a marxist organization uh, that like, shut up that don't yeah. that, that's stealing your money and donating to the democratic whatever it's like no it's not about that anymore for so many people and i know that's speaking to a very small um percentage of people who have been like angry about it and stuff but um yet again there's people that aren't tuning into sports anymore because of that and it's really sad yeah um it and it shouldn't be the case and um i i just hope that i i hope that players don't stop using that platform because when you think jackie robinson yeah. when, when you think muhammad ali no one thinks back on muhammad ali is like oh i think he's the greatest um, but I wish but, he didn't say that. But, but I yeah. wish he wasn't an activist for, for yeah. black people and the civil rights movement. And, uh, you know, it, yeah. you, you know, you don't think about that. And I, I just hope that um, as a country that people realize that, you know, things things are we're, we're a lot more uh, we have a lot more in common than than what we think. And we shouldn't be broken up over yeah. stuff like this. And, and the true intention behind a lot of it is really so good. No, absolutely. Uh, and just before we kind of wrap up, because mm -hmm. it's pertinent to the topic, you seen the Chicago seven on Netflix. I saw the trailer. Very good. It's really good. Watched it last night, um, you know, it was like kind of unsure because you know it's just like a, a chill sunday i was like do i want to get this invested in a movie yeah but it was very good um and very pertinent to what uh you know we're going through obviously right now as a country mm -hmm. um you know kind of eye-opening and, and shifts some perspective so uh for all you fans listening out there if you love sports and you also love movies it'll make you think a little and kind of change your perspective uh the chicago seven on Netflix. That, Very good movie. That, good watch. That'll be my uh, homework for the week, and I'll, I'll come back with my review uh, next week. Before we go, we've got an On This Date in Sports History. Woo! As per usual, um, here on Brody and Eric's Super Sports Radio Show. Hey, um, Evander Holyfield's 58th birthday. Happy happy birthday, Mr. Holyfield. Yeah, hopefully um, he knows his birthday. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope your head's man's, okay. Yeah, man's taking some shots. So. <laughs> I hope your head is okay. Let me find one more. Um, on this day in sports history, it doesn't seem like. Oh no 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 no. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, we'll say uh, Australian tennis star Yvonne Gulagong wins her first tour championship, beats Chris Evert. Um, 
Good for her. She, Chris Everett's now an analyst on ESPN for for tennis. Well, that's our first show back in, hey, in quite a while. Our first show good. as a pure uh, podcast. Uh, so thank you, Eric. Uh, it's been it's been a pleasure. And Brody, it's been it's been great to be back in any capacity. Hopefully, we'll make strides under your tireless leadership <laughs> uh, to get back into the studio. But excited just to be speaking into something that's getting recorded and then being put up on the internet. That's the dream. But uh, am I closing this out? Uh, close us out, Eric. Yeah, so, uh, well, Gats Hank Tough, I know it's uh, not what we expected or hoped for, but brighter days are ahead, and it is always darkest before the dawn. Um, for Brody and Eric, Super Sports Radio Show, I'm Eric Wong. I'm Brody Dryden. Bear down. Go Cats.